Even in the 14th century BCE, the Sahara Desert was swelteringly hot. Shade was impossible to find. After days of hunting elephants under the blistering sun, a young prince named Thutmose IV noticed the shadow of a colossal statue. The head of the great Sphinx of Giza towered above him. Its shelter seemed like the perfect spot to rest. So the prince made himself comfortable under the giant monument's skull and drifted off to sleep. As he closed his eyes, the grandeur of the Sphinx was all he could think about. It was so tall that it seemed to touch the sky. The Sphinx was thought to embody the spirit of the great Egyptian god Horus, who represented healing and protection. Thutmose rested easy knowing that the Sphinx would protect him. But suddenly, the ground beneath the prince rumbled. Startled, he looked up to see the giant statue come to life. The now alive stone beast was choking on the sand. Thutmose, who revered the monster as his spiritual guardian, jumped to his feet. He asked if there was anything he could do to help. The Sphinx cleared its throat and hoarsely lamented that he hated being buried neck high in the desert sands. He'd been waiting for the prince to set him free. All Thutmose would need to do was unbury him. If the prince followed the Sphinx's directions, Thutmose would be awarded the kingship. Wide-eyed and determined, Thutmose agreed to rescue the Sphinx. The royal brought in thousands of workers and devoted years of his life to excavating the beast. And finally, upon completing his divine task, Thutmose's brother died. Making Thutmose IV Egypt's king and confirming that the great Sphinx's prediction was true all along. Welcome to Conspiracy Theories, a Spotify original from Parcast. Every Monday and Wednesday, we dig into the complicated stories behind the world's most controversial events and search for the truth. I'm Carter Roy. And I'm Molly Brandenburg. And neither of us are conspiracy theorists. But we are open-minded, skeptical, and curious. Don't get us wrong. Sometimes the official version is the truth. But sometimes it's not. You can find episodes of Conspiracy Theories and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. This is our one-part episode on the Great Sphinx of Giza. The ancient stone statue stands on a plateau at the west bank of Egypt's Nile River. It faces the rising sun and stands at an imposing 66 feet high. Many believe ancient Egyptians sculpted the Sphinx around 2500 BCE, approximately 4,500 years ago. But throughout history, that timeline has been debated. Questions of when the Sphinx was built, by whom, and for what exact purpose all remain mysteries the world is eager to solve. In this episode, we'll dive into what's known about the Sphinx's mysterious legacy, from its construction and symbolism to the attempts to excavate it. Then, we'll explore a few theories surrounding why the monument exists, like the idea that it might not be a Sphinx at all, or that it was actually a relic left over from the lost city of Atlantis. And finally, we'll see whether the Sphinx is actually much older than we've been led to believe. 
We have all that and more coming up. Stay with us. This episode is brought to you by Terminix. There's one thing we can all agree on. Dealing with pests is a pain. But luckily, Terminix can help. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. With over 95 years of experience, they have what it takes to take on any pest problem fast. So if your home or business has pests, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. The Great Sphinx of Giza appears in history lessons across almost every culture worldwide. For centuries, the ancient limestone monster has guarded Giza's Great Pyramid. People have marveled over the monument, not only because of its impossible size, but because it was sculpted out of a single slab of limestone bedrock. The statue has survived thousands of years of relentless, harsh weather conditions, And though many of the original details have suffered the punishments of time, remarkably, it still stands. But the Sphinx we know today is quite a contrast from its original form. In addition to centuries of weathering, it's also seen eons of renovations and even vandalism that have contributed to its physical deterioration. For instance, archaeologists assert that the Sphinx once donned a cobra emblem. We also know that the Sphinx previously had a large beard that looks similar to the ceremonial beards worn by Egyptian pharaohs. Experts even think that at one point, the gigantic monument had a human nose. And the creature previously displayed vibrant, exciting hues of red, blue, and yellow. While most of its old paint has eroded, there is still some evidence of colorful embellishment on the statue's face. Faded traces of this paint point to a once spectacular and bold design. If we could see a picture of the original Sphinx in its glory, maybe then we'd be able to discern more about the statue's initial purpose. And if we could speak with an ancient Egyptian, we might even discover the Sphinx's original name. But without that opportunity, no one truly knows what the fabled creature was called when it was first created. Its current name is derived from ancient Greek mythology. The Greeks didn't conquer Egypt until 332 BCE, nearly 3,000 years after ancient Egyptians established their society. Thus, the Sphinx likely earned its common-day moniker thousands of years after it was built. 
According to the ancient Greeks, a sphinx was a magical creature with the body of a lion and the head of a man. Sometimes they even had wings. In one myth, a vicious sphinx terrorized the ancient city of Thebes, located in central Greece. The story goes that if the vengeful beast came across any citizen who could not solve its riddles, the creature would tear them apart, killing them on the spot. But sphinxes were also understood to be protectors in ancient Greece, so it's no wonder that many see the Great Sphinx of Giza as a guard to the pyramids. Those who visit today are still humbled by the impressive scale of the limestone monster. Imagine standing at the base of the Sphinx and looking up to its skull. The face alone is 30 feet high from the chin to the crown. That's roughly five times taller than the average man. Plus, at 240 feet from tail to toe, it's a little longer than three tennis courts lined up back to back. But for thousands of years, nobody knew how large the Great Sphinx really was, because it was buried up to its neck in desert sands. It's been excavated and renovated several times, which makes it difficult for archaeologists to date it properly. However, we can use concrete historical evidence to shape our understanding of the statue's timeline. The first evidence of its age dates back to 1401 BCE. That's when Prince Thutmose IV decided the Sphinx should be unburied. Thutmose came across the large idol after a day of hunting in the desert. He was interested in the shade that the statue's large skull offered. After falling asleep against the Sphinx's neck, the prince dreamt the great beast started choking on the sand that engulfed it. The Sphinx told him that if he helped clear the sand, it would bestow the crown of Upper and Lower Egypt upon the young man. Vision or not, this was an especially lucrative idea since Thutmose was not a direct heir to the throne of Egypt. So the prince brought in indentured workers to remove the sand and build a network of walls to keep the elements at bay. Thutmose then recorded the story on a granite headstone and placed it at the beast's breast. That stone, along with Thutmose's message, offers the first authentic piece of historical evidence that mentions the Sphinx. And the great monument isn't the only relic in the Giza complex that tells us a story about the past. There are hundreds of tombs in the area surrounding the Sphinx. Many feature hieroglyphic inscriptions dating nearly 4,500 years old. But none say anything about the monument itself. According to Brown University Egyptologist James Allen, ancient Egyptians didn't record their own history, so contemporary historians have little to go on. There's not even evidence about who the Sphinx was made for. Researchers can only presume it symbolized something divine or was built in honor of some leader. Most archaeologists assume it reflects the image of a king. A few hieroglyphics also mention Ruti, a godlike lion who guarded the horizon. The description of Ruti indicates the statue had something to do with worshiping the sun. But Ruti also protected the path to the netherworld. So, perhaps the Sphinx was meant to safeguard the souls of buried royalty. Many experts believe that Khafra, a king in the 4th dynasty, 
may have had the limestone sculpted in his likeness sometime around 2540 BCE. The Sphinx could have been an additional monument to complement his own pyramid, which is the second highest of Giza's pyramids. His father Khufu's is what we know as the Great Pyramid. Archaeologists have also found the remnants of old pathways that run between a building near the Sphinx, called the Valley Temple, to outside Khafre's own pyramid, meaning the pharaoh wanted all the buildings and monuments he designed to be connected. But again, there's no sure proof that Khafre commissioned the monument, and other relics that mention the stone beast make it seem as if the Sphinx has always existed. This would mean that the Sphinx predates all other antiquities in the area. The fact that there are so many unresolved mysteries about the Sphinx has definitely propelled people to come up with their own ideas about how it was created or why it exists. And that's why every detail has to be analyzed, questioned, and investigated. Because the particulars may contain the one hint that finally unlocks the puzzle. And one clue is especially notable and has caught the eye of many archaeologists. The statue's human head is disproportionately small for its body. For that reason, some say the Sphinx was never really a Sphinx at all. Coming up, the Sphinx may have been something else all along. Hello, I'm Hannah Maguire. And I'm Saruti Bala. And we're the hosts of the new Spotify original from Parcast, Sinister Societies. You may know us from the very creepy and excellent podcast Red Handed, but now we've teamed up with Parcast for an unprecedented look at history's most nefarious groups. Some preach extreme religious practices, others warn of impending doom, and then there are those whose endgame is far more diabolical. Every Tuesday on Sinister Societies, we take a peek behind the curtain and discover the most ominous organizations the world may or may not have known. Learn how entrepreneurial sects made fortunes off their brand, how charismatic cult leaders caught the eye of celebrities, and why strange orders of the extraterrestrial or collegiate kind attract the most unlikely of followers. Some groups convene in the shadows. Others operate in plain sight, all are absolutely sinister. Follow Sinister Societies free and only on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Terminix. Terminix can't help you solve the world's biggest mysteries or take on alien life. At least, not the ones you're thinking of. But they can help take care of pesky invaders in your home like the ants in your kitchen, the roaches under your sink, and the termites in the walls. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. No matter what type of bug it is, they can Terminix it fast with personalized pest care that puts you in control. And with over 95 years of experience, it's no wonder they're trusted by homes and businesses everywhere. So if you have a pest problem, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com. Now back to the story. The size, age, and construction of the Great Sphinx of Giza has entranced the world for centuries. 
Its recognizability has transcended cultural boundaries and made it one of Egypt's most enduring attractions. Still, questions loom about the Sphinx's origins and history. What the statue actually was when it was built remains a mystery, and many believe it was never intended to be a half-human, half-lion at all. This leads us to conspiracy theory number one. The Sphinx was first created to represent an entirely different creature. And this theory hinges on the fact that its head is much too small for its gargantuan lion body. Visitors to the monument typically admire it from the front. The statue's paws extend many feet ahead of its body, and the skull sits six stories above. But one Egyptologist named Colin Reeder recommends that visitors explore the Sphinx from a different angle. When you walk to the side of the statue and look at its portrait, it's clear that something is off. The long, lean body of the Sphinx sits below a teeny tiny head. Perhaps if all other Sphinxes had disproportionate heads, researchers wouldn't look at the Giza Sphinx as an oddity. But it does stand out amongst other Sphinx statues found throughout Egypt, because none of the other depictions have heads as small as this one. Not only are these Sphinxes much smaller than the Great Sphinx of Giza, they're also much younger. These smaller versions date from around 1400 BCE. That's almost a thousand years after we think the Sphinx was even made. It's not just the size and age of the statues that differ from the iconic Sphinx. Some sphinxes also feature a woman's head, a lion's body, and eagle's wings. And more recent discoveries exhibit the head of a ram or hawk, symbolizing the air god Amun. There are also versions that honor the jackal god Anubis and a granite sphinx with the head of the pharaoh Hatshepsut. Despite the variety of deity and human features, all of these other sphinxes have one thing in common, sizable, well-proportioned heads. Their existence indicates that the disproportionality of the Great Sphinx was an anomaly, not a trend. It makes you wonder, why is the most remarkable depiction of this mythical monster so different from every other Sphinx statue? This question is likely why, in the early 1990s, American geologist Dr. Robert Schock proposed that the monument's body was carved much earlier than its head, perhaps sometime between 7,000 and 5,000 BCE. The geological evidence they surveyed suggested that the head and face were then re-carved much later, in dynastic times, which started around 3,100 BCE. Part of their reasoning is that the skull is the least deteriorated part of the monument. Theoretically, if it had all been carved at the same time, the wear would be equal across all parts of the monument. Which is not the case. Though the monument has been buried up to its shoulders over the course of history, its head has always protruded from the ground and certainly would have endured the most weathering from natural causes. This lack of erosion suggests it may be the newest part of the creature. Other researchers see it differently. They blame the statue's disproportionate sizing on miscalculations by the builders and bad tools, which is hard to believe for some experts, knowing that the ancient Egyptians were notoriously skilled architects and sculptors. It seems unlikely they would have given the Sphinx too small a head. 
Historians also posit that the Egyptians wouldn't have put such a weak-looking head atop such a powerful physique. That's why some think that the Sphinx was originally a lion. In pre-dynastic Egypt, the lioness was the region's top predator, and early Egyptians revered the feline. Culturally, lions symbolized gods and honored royalty. Their statues were thought to give protection. The bed of the king was adorned with lion sculptures, as was his throne. One pharaoh even had pet lions who accompanied him during battle. A renegade move for the times, but it makes sense. Back then, a lion's majestic face was a more potent symbol of power than a small human face. There are countless instances in which proportional lion heads and bodies appear on pre-dynastic artifacts. Specifically, relics dated from 6000 to 3000 BCE. And as we previously mentioned, the Sphinx may have referred to Ruti, whose name, translated, means two lions. It's possible, though there is a discovery that contradicts the Sphinx was once a lion theory. Apparently, evidence suggests that the statue once donned a divine beard. Today, the limestone fragments of it are on display at the British Museum. You may be wondering how such an important Egyptian antiquity made its way to England, because like so many other artifacts from Africa, it was stolen. In 1817, Italian explorer and Egyptologist Captain Giovanni Battista Caviglia excavated the Sphinx, which had once again become buried in the desert sand. Caviglia's dig was the earliest documented modern excavation of the great beast, and his efforts paid off when his team discovered something unexpected. They found several pieces of what looked to be a stone beard near the statue's chest. Caviglia and his team later brought the relic back to England and presented it to the British Museum, where it remains to this day. The beard can still offer insight into the Sphinx's construction, though. Because of its composition and the way the fragments were cut, some researchers are certain that the beard was carved from the original limestone and may have adorned a lion, not a lion-human, the Sphinx's current identity. If this is true, then we'd also be saying that the reason the Sphinx's body is far more weathered than its head is because the head was carved long after the monument was built. While researchers disagree about this theory, the Egyptians were master quarrymen capable of this change. So it may be possible the Sphinx was first a lion. I give this conspiracy a 6 out of 10. It's true. Research does seem to indicate the head has significantly less wear than the rest of the body. And looking at some cultural points of reference, I can't help but believe the face was originally intended to be a lion or lioness, one of the most powerful animals in ancient Egyptian lore. For that reason, I'm going to give this a 7 out of 10. Mysteries of what the Sphinx might have originally been aside, there's still another unanswered question that has perplexed archaeologists for decades. Who built the Great Monument? And some people have suggested an unexpected answer. Coming up, Atlantis's connection to the Sphinx. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. 
Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Now, back to the story. Throughout its millennia-long life, the Great Sphinx of Giza has earned the attention of the world's most renowned archaeologists and researchers. These passionate historical and geological experts are drawn to the statue because it still holds a deep air of mystery. Again, there are different schools of thought when it comes to who the statue was meant to honor. Some scholars argue the Sphinx was cobbled to honor King Khafra, a fourth dynasty pharaoh. Meanwhile, other historians believe that the monument was actually crafted by Khafra's relatives, like his father Khufu or his brother Jedefra. But still, there are people who think that the Great Sphinx wasn't brought into existence by Egyptians at all. They think it was created by an entirely different civilization. Which brings us to conspiracy theory number two. Civilians of the lost city of Atlantis sculpted the Sphinx before their civilization was destroyed. Atlantis is an ancient city mentioned frequently in Plato's writings. The Greek philosopher who lived during the third and fourth century BCE was the father of idealism. During that time, he wrote the story of Atlantis, a then 9,000-year-old utopian land swallowed by the Mediterranean Sea. Plato said the founding fathers of Atlantis were half-human, half-god. They built an idyllic society on a series of islands and protected their home by organizing a strong naval force. The islands were rich with resources—gold, silver, and precious gems. Lush gardens grew, and vines canopied over the streets. Atlanteans thrived and grew every herb imaginable. All the while, exotic wildlife populated Atlantis. Animals roamed wild through the avenues like elephants, peacocks, and wild tortoises. The society was moral, spiritually attuned, environmentally conscious, and highly advanced. According to Plato, it was a perfect community. But over time, the people of Atlantis lost their way. They became greedy and immoral. So the gods grew angry, and to punish the civilians, they rattled the ground with earthquakes. The gods sent a dreadful storm of fire and flood, which washed the city and its people into the oceans for all eternity. It was completely destroyed. When Plato wrote his legendary tale, he said Atlantis collapsed around 8,000 BCE, about 10,000 years ago. 
Yet it wasn't until many millennia later that an American writer and travel guide named John Anthony West came up with the theory that Plato's Atlanteans built the Great Sphinx. West had a long record of obsession with ancient Egypt. He even wrote a book about it in 1979 called Serpent in the Sky, wherein he reimagined an entirely different origin story for the country. West suggested that the dreadful fires and floods that drowned Atlantis also destroyed the Sphinx. He said it lay undiscovered for thousands of years until, finally, the ancient Egyptians found it, excavated it, and spruced it up a bit. We have to take West's idea with a grain of salt. According to most contemporary Egyptologists, he was full of it. His alternative retelling of ancient Egypt certainly wasn't accepted by many experts in the field. Still, the writer focused his work on proving the Sphinx was older than historians said it was. West felt if he could show the statue dated back further than 2500 BCE, he could also show that it was indeed the Atlanteans who created it. So in 1991, West traveled to Cairo with a team of researchers. West intended to set up camp for two weeks in the shadow of the Sphinx, just as the great pharaoh Thutmose IV had when he had his divine dream. But he was only given a permit from Egyptian authorities for a few days, so he didn't get much done. Former Minister of State for Antiquities Affairs of Egypt, Dr. Zahi Hawass, called West's theories about the Sphinx at the time American hallucinations. The director told news outlets that much older monuments in the same area were not built by, quote, men from space or Atlantis. Incredibly, West ignored the way Egyptologists dismissed him. He insisted the Sphinx and its temples were structurally divergent from other Old Kingdom statues. Citing the statue's fissures, its long, narrow cracks, he claimed these couldn't have come from wear caused by wind or sand. This erosion led him to believe the towering figure must have been built at an earlier time. But University of Louisville geology professor Lal Gowry, along with many other experts, disagreed. After studying the Sphinx, Gowry said it was ridiculous to think the disfigurement couldn't have been caused in the past 5,000 years. And to further debunk the writer's hypothesis, the geologist pointed to the composition of the Sphinx's limestone. Gowrie pointed out that there are no indications the statue endured a lot of water damage, like salt or watermarks. Meaning no great Atlantean flood. And Gowrie wasn't alone. Egyptologist Kent Weeks, a tenured archaeologist who taught at Yale and the American University in Cairo, agreed there was no doubt the Egyptians made the Sphinx. He cited the fact that there's been no record of older civilizations constructing anything similar to the Sphinx. We also shouldn't forget that the only known documentation of Atlantis comes from Plato's writing. Most scholars believe Plato fabricated the legend as a means to illustrate his idealistic philosophies. However exciting, his story was fiction. True. There's also the matter of location. It's tempting to believe Atlantis was real, but there's really no evidence to support its existence in Egypt. Historians have guessed based on Plato's description of the islands, that it was located somewhere between the Strait of Gibraltar, near Morocco, 
and the Mediterranean Sea. For me, this theory is a 1 out of 10. I agree. Aside from Plato's writing, there's no definitive evidence that the society ever existed. And even if the Sphinx did come from that civilization, that would mean the monument had been transported to Egypt, which we also have no evidence of. While the Greeks often rooted their stories in truth, this seems like an idea fueled primarily by West's desire to put a dramatic spin on history. I'd give this theory a two. There may not be proof that the Great Sphinx has anything to do with Atlantis, but there is evidence to suggest that the monument is older than we've believed. As we encountered in the first two theories, the Sphinx's erosion patterns are of great interest to historians and researchers. Which leads us to conspiracy theory number three. The Sphinx is a few thousand years older than people think. In fact, it could have been constructed as far back as 7,000 BCE. This would be quite a change to history, since the most commonly accepted notion is that the Sphinx was built around 2520 BCE. Let's start with how erosion works. Understanding the process makes it easier to see why this theory has gained popularity. When rocks erode, they can change shape, crack or get smaller, and smoother. Over time, rain, floods, wind, and ice can distinctly alter the look of all kinds of stone. Think about the life of a rock. As boulders crash down from high mountains, they break into smaller rocks. These pebbles will eventually find their way into rivers and seabeds, where the rocks will be tumbled and turned by the natural currents in the water. Over time, this rock will become smooth and soft, but it will likely have some marks on it that show its evolution. And most importantly, its basic chemical composition has stayed the same, despite all these physical changes. This scientific grounding forms the basis for why the Sphinx may be far older than it looks at first glance. Rushing water might not seem obvious when we think about Egypt. The Sahara Desert, where the Sphinx lies, is known for its dry, arid conditions, but this hasn't always been the case. In ancient Egypt, the regular flooding of the Nile River was essential to trade. Rising waters overflowed the river, and Egyptians used this to their advantage. They built canals and water systems that allowed them to transport goods between locations. Climate researchers have also noted that monsoons were recorded in Giza thousands of years ago. And the last time there was consistent rainfall in Giza that was heavy enough to cause actual erosion marks on the Sphinx's limestone was during the Green Sahara period, which started as early as 11,000 years ago. The first person to really advocate for the Sphinx water erosion hypothesis was French mathematician and Egyptologist R.A. Schwaller de Lubix. In the 1950s, Schwaller devoted himself to reading books on magic, alchemy, astrology, and mysticism. Though Schwaller was quite bright, some of his contemporaries considered him more eccentric than scholarly. He practiced the occult and argued that the Egyptian temples he studied were actually used for mystical ceremonies. In 1952, Schwaller observed the famous Luxor Temple on the east bank of the Nile River. His measurements revealed odd geometrical relationships in the rock there and attributed them to wind weathering. 
Excited by the strange patterns he found, he continued his work at other sites, like the Great Sphinx. There, Schwaller discovered wildly different results. He noticed that the erosion patterns were not only different from what he saw at the Luxor Temple, they were also a departure from what he saw on other structures made in the same era. This led him to suggest that water, not wind, caused the erosion we see today on the Sphinx. But at the time, nobody took his observations to heart. In fact, it would take over 25 years for someone to support his theory. That someone being John Anthony West. While West's support was widely dismissed, the water erosion theory, minus the bit about Atlanteans, gained academic credibility when, in 1992, Dr. Robert Schock wrote a paper called Redating the Great Sphinx of Giza. In it, he dug deeper into the idea that rain and water had significant effects on the monument, not just wind and sand. Schock believed the erosion caused by rainfall, or a rush of water, was to blame for the most pronounced, oldest patterns. He noted that the precipitation caused wear with a more, quote, rolling and undulating vertical profile. Which is quite different from erosion that comes from a wind and sand abrasion. These tend to give the limestone a picked-out appearance, with little tiny holes. Additionally, the features in limestone that endure rain-based erosion become less prominent. Constant precipitation smooths out rigid lines and carvings in limestone over time, like what we see in the Great Sphinx today. In the end, Schock thought water-related weathering created the oldest and most prominent weather patterns identified on the Giza Plateau. He hypothesized that only the oldest structures, like the body of the Sphinx, exhibit these marks. So if the Sphinx was battered by precipitation at an early period in its life, it could have been carved before the last great era of significant rain in the Nile Valley. Climate researchers have suggested that periodic heavy rain fell somewhere between 11,000 and 5,000 years ago. But this trend slowed down, and there were simply fewer instances of heavy and prolonged precipitation along the Nile River from 2350 BCE onward. Given the erosion patterns researchers noted on the Sphinx and the region's weather patterns, it seems possible the Sphinx was carved before the commonly accepted era of 2500 BCE. That data seems pretty straightforward. There have been people that refute Shock's erosion theory, though. One of the world's leading Egyptologists, Mark Lehner, has highlighted his skepticism regarding the mastabas, ancient Egyptian tombs, that are projected to be just as old, if not older, than the Sphinx. There's still so much inconclusive data on why they don't show waterwear like the Sphinx. But it is possible that the elevation levels of the tombs Water runoff locations and building materials could have been a factor. That's true. Given the most recent observations of the Sphinx's dissolution patterns, it does seem quite possible. My only hesitation is that there's less evidence to support that there was an organized civilization in the region before the Old Kingdom era, which didn't begin until after 3000 BCE. Obviously, a massive effort was required to build the statue. 
That said, it's still possible the Sphinx could have been constructed sometime before 2500. There is evidence of villages near Giza dating back to around 5000 BCE. And Shock's analysis is clear. The deviations in the erosion patterns are odd and seem to indicate that the Sphinx could be at least a couple thousand years older than previously thought. For me, this theory is a 6 out of 10. I'm also inclined to rate this theory higher. The evidence of rainfall and water wear on the statue, compared with the climate patterns from the region in ancient times, makes me think the Sphinx is much older. I'd give this theory an 8 out of 10. Regardless of when the Great Sphinx of Giza was built, who sculpted it, and why it was carved, it remains an essential and inspiring piece of Egypt's history and in our story as human beings. More than anything, the Sphinx is a symbol. To those who revere it, it can be a reminder that against all odds, something magnificent can be created and stand the test of time. No matter the weather, tools, or experience, you can make something lasting and impactful. You just have to root down your vision and leave your mark. Thanks for tuning in to Conspiracy Theories. We'll be back next time with a new episode. You can find all episodes of Conspiracy Theories and all other Spotify originals from ParCast for free on Spotify. Until then, remember, the truth isn't always the best story. And the official story isn't always the truth. Conspiracy Theories is a Spotify original from ParCast. Executive producers include Max and Ron Cutler. Sound design by Dick Schroeder, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Trent Williamson, Carly Madden, and Freddie Beckley. This episode of Conspiracy Theories was written by John Levinson, with writing assistance by Amber Hurley and Mackenzie Moore. Fact-checking by Cheyenne Lopez and research by Coleman Gray. Conspiracy Theories stars Molly Brandenburg and Carter Roy. You aren't supposed to know about them, unless they want you to. Powerful groups with their own very specific agendas. And if you find yourself on the inside, good luck getting out. Hi, I'm Hannah Maguire. And I'm Saruti Bala. Join us every Tuesday for our new Spotify original from Parcast, Sinister Societies. Whether it's doomsday predictions, deadly greed or world domination, Each week, we're exposing the beliefs and actions of the most ominous organisations the world may or may not have known. Follow Sinister Societies free and only on Spotify.